the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, what are you doing? How are you? How's the coffee? No hat, as uh, Elijah pointed out. Good. Uh, no hat. Uh, I'm on the road. I'm in Kansas City. Nice. Are you are hats banned in Kansas City? <laughs> um, you know what? I'm I'm traveling with a basketball team, and they're not really a hat group. Mm. Did but you I get the? Bring, I usually don't bring a hat on the road. Did you uh, Did you make it to the majestic steakhouse last night down in, uh, down in Power and Light? No, uh, we went to. I hadn't been there in a while. Uh, Buca de Peppo. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 So, you know, you get the family portions for a large traveling party and, you know, you mix in a little cheesecake at the end of the night and you're good. Do you plan yeah, on work. stopping by the World War One Museum while you're down there? I will absolutely always get up on a stump and praise that museum. One of the, the best in the Midwest, the World War One Museum. If you get a chance, you got to check it out, Gary. I don't know if you've seen that museum before. I, if you haven't, highly recommend it. I have. Uh, I've actually been there before. I'm a big uh, World War one and two history buff. Same. So it's fan. It, it hey, it's fantastic. We're uh, we're staying because we're playing Kansas City tonight. Uh, UMKC's campus is located off the edge of the plaza, so we're down here in the plaza. Ooh, nice. You guys up for maybe starting another podcast, like a war podcast, yes. a world war podcast? Absolutely. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know we all had this in common. Me as well. I minored like, in history. Yeah. Oh man. No. I, yeah, we can do and everything. We, we could go over some of the mistakes that were made in World War One, and then what happened in World War Two. Then we can tie it back to Husker football and coaching yeah, changes. You know what? Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, was it over when Colorado beat Nebraska on Black Friday? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Hell, some, somewhere we need we need Bluto to go. Hell no. Uh, <laughs> there's there's some comparison with football that can be made with static warfare versus mechanized warfare and how Germany really screwed up. They didn't learn from World War One. World War One kind of showed. I guess the beginning of World War II that the static defenses of World War One weren't going to work anymore, and they tried to defend France with static what defenses. Was, like, what are we doing? What was Nebraska's moment uh, as they were welcomed into the atomic age? Right, <laughs> 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 little Oppenheimer, right. Nebraska. Yeah, there we go. Uh, hoops, Gary. We'll this some hoops. this we'll, podcast we'll, could work is all I'm saying. <laughs> we'll get to some basketball and uh, and uh, Nebraska football thoughts in the NCAA. But we were chatting about this. You know, what? what's the number you feel okay about for Nebraska basketball? Three and one, four and oh, two and two. Or talk to me Monday morning or talk to me Sunday night about 930 with so let's, uh, the numbers let's uh so i've stopped i've stopped looking at net rankings ken palm all of that stuff surrounding nebraska just because win. yeah nebraska has to take care of themselves and they have you can't worry about anybody else because nebraska's resume is not bad and mm. they got a they added a little bit on wednesday night in bloomington um so i think nebraska is in a good spot i don't i don't expect them like to go oh and four tell you tomorrow's game is going to be difficult Minnesota yeah. looks at that game as a quad one game on the road yeah. that there are ways away from getting into the tournament. But, boy, now we're starting to look at, like, double buys in Minneapolis and things like that. So I think Nebraska just 500 at least the rest of the way. Um, and, and, you know, I think they're in. I, I think they have a good enough resume that it's going to hold strong. Now, you know, again, two and two is probably the best case scenario uh, to make sure that you don't get into a tension convention. But, 
you know what? Now, now you guys, this team is, this team is, is different. You know, we're doing a lot of comparisons between the last NCAA team and that team caught lightning in the bottle, you know, that last month of the season. And we all hopped on for the ride and how great it was on that final regular season day against Wisconsin. And then kind of a letdown, you go to Indianapolis, you lose to Ohio state after getting the double bye, and then the game against Baylor in the NCAA tournament, this team might be different. You know, it's, it's, you, you, they just went to Bloomington. Rick Mass got two points and they won a game going away. I mean, that's, that's, he was this invisible. This, yeah. Yeah. This team's created a little bit differently where it's a different guy every night. They've had a drop off of CJ Wiltshire of late, but the Bryce Williams of the worlds have picked it up. And then, of course, what Jamarcus Lawrence has done the last two games. I don't know. This is kind of turning into a fun little ride. And, and it may turn into a ride, guys, that if Nebraska. If Nebraska is a double buy team in Minneapolis, I think that solidifies that Hoiberg's coach of the year. It, well, and that is that is so interesting too, con- considering you know the talk coming into this year, even uh, last year, like Hoiberg's been on the hot seat. <laughs> to go from that to almost the runaway coach of the year, it, it, you could you could maybe look at you could maybe look at Minnesota's guy. You can look, look at Ben as yeah. maybe. Maybe yeah, being up there too because he was counted out I think, as well. I think the two guys coaching tomorrow are the two leading candidates to be coach of the year in the yeah. Big Ten. Yeah. It well, and what what I think you've seen with Nebraska this year, you know, even coming into it, we we had talked about this, like not a crazy athletic team, right? Like yeah. you, you, and they, you get the they, get ex- they get exposed in certain games, which we've seen this year. You're right. Right. Like they, they don't have those quick leapers like Danny and yeah. used to talk about back in the day, uh, making the NCAA tournament. And you, you mentioned Baylor, the last team that Nebraska played where they got rolled different level of athleticism um, down in the post and some of the bigs. But you know what they do? You know what they are, though? They are super crafty, super crafty. Like if you look at just sort of the the IQ and kind of the deceptive sort of play styles of Mast, high IQ, really good passer. Casey just never stops running and is just looking for every little bit of leverage that he can get. Uh, Bryce Williams is sort of just like steady the whole time. Um, they have quite a few. Jawan Gary is just like, you want to tangle with him? Like Jawan Gary will knock you out. Like that's the that's the, that's the vibe he gives opponents. Like he's the intimidator. Nebraska's got some really interesting quality veteran pieces that it just seems like it's actually starting to starting to gel a little bit. And, and Gary, you being a guy that's around a basketball team a lot, it's fascinating, right? Like when you're around a a college basketball team because if they when there's a loss, I mean it is. Yeah. It is just like yeah. devastating to that team. It's devastating. And like the way that they come back from it is so important. Um, what do you see in just kind of chemistry wise, uh, cohesion wise from this Nebraska team, granted from a bit of a distance, but yeah. what, what are you seeing? I think they're connected with their head coach. You know, it, it mm-hmm. took, it took three bad years before Sam Greasel and Derek Walker got together to really change Nebraska basketball, where I also think Fred took over his program. You know, he let other people dictate a roster and what was going to happen. And then he, he took over the team. And I think they're connected with their head coach. You know, they don't ride the, the highs and lows. Um, I think they're a very likable team. They play hard. Now, now going back to a point you made, when they're, when they're on the road and they're playing the Marylands and the Illinois, um, you know, the athleticism, uh, the lack of athleticism for Nebraska, 
uh, gets exposed. But I, but I'll tell you where Nebraska is best, and they've started to play better defensively. If you look over the last this three game winning streak, they're starting to get after it. Is I think when they communicate and they play hard, then I think they have a chance. When they stop communicating and all of a sudden the perimeter gets a little bit leaky and guys are draining threes, then all of a sudden it seems to go south. I don't know. This is a this is a fun team. You know, you, I, I think it's a, a team that's connected enough that does things well enough that you could talk about, man, in a seven versus 10, if they get the right seven, they they could possibly win a game. Now, I, I think they're exactly right where they should be, you know, like a 9, 10, 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. But they're, they, it's not like you're going to look at them and go, wow, they have no shot when they play another team in the NCAA tournament. I think this team could find a way to win. You know, they just they just do that this year. That's what you want in the NCAA tournament too, right? You want yeah. You want a veteran group. Yeah, that's what Nebraska's got. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the teams that are always the tough outs when you, yeah. you, know, you get your bracket and you're like, oh, wait, those dudes are all like fifth-year seniors. Like, whoa, look yeah, out. Yeah, I think, I think one thing about the roster construction on this year's team um, is Fred last year saw the advantage of being old. And so there's the adage in college sports now, especially with the COVID year, is to get old, stay old. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Nebraska, you know, outside of, of Bryce, has anybody that's one and done. So I think Fred's been able to retain – kind of take guys from being younger guys, which he isn't really prone to do. He's always been in his past. He likes the older guys. And if you're not developing soon enough, it probably move on from you. But he's been able to move some guys through the program where they're an older team. And I think we're going to see that in college basketball. A lot of the really good teams are older teams, whether they got, you know, fourth year or fifth year transfers, or they got guys that are sticking around college basketball because of NIL. And now they're in their third or even sometimes their fourth year. And, and Gary, whenever you talk about that that age factor, the experience factor with this Husker basketball team, is it funny that we're still talking about like man, two and two gets them in? Because like it's it's Husker basketball fan natural reaction, I think, to go to worst case scenario. Oh yeah. And, and do you think that this team is? I don't want to say immune from that, but do you think that that experience factor and just how long guys have been playing college basketball gives them an advantage down the stretch here as as they try to. To, to hold their spot on the edge of the bubble and, and make it into the NCAA tournament? I think so. And I think also the head coach has taken over. I mean, you can tell some of the things he says, how much it means to him to get this team to the NCAA tournament. He's not even thinking about, oh, you know, they, they said my job was on the line. I think it's just for him to validate what he's doing is get to the NCAA tournament. Now, the other thing, guys, this team isn't losing much to next year. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're basically in a two-year window here where if they pop this year, Man, you, you don't know who you could attract for a spot that's open next year, you know, a spot or two, but you're in a good, good area. I, I think it's just – it's kind of turned into a fun season. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we rack our brains because that's what we do, Elijah. You know this as a Nebraska basketball fan. Damn, you run the, the roller coaster. You're waiting for that gut punch. We're waiting for that 0-4, the bottom to fall out, and they go one and done in Minneapolis, and they're subject to the NIT. That's kind of what we do. But, you know, it's one of those things like the Nebraska basketball fan keeps coming back. Because there are so many reasons, even more than football, to say, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. But people still come and keep coming back. And this year, you know, we're getting val- uh, validated for it. I, I, like tomorrow. I think tomorrow is going to be an incredible atmosphere. I think it's going to be a great game. But it shows you it's 530 on a Sunday in late February. Nebraska is still alive. And there's a reason they built Pinnacle Bank Arena, to have the place packed like it will be on a late Sunday afternoon. And Nebraska has something on the line. And we're, we're talking about a program that since they fired Danny Knee, they've been to the tournament one time. 
Danny Nederson get fired yesterday. No, no, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. Hail Varsity weekend. Sharpie, we, we had quite the uh, discussion about, uh, you know, the next brave new world of college football with the NCAA, Ooh. right? I mean, it was a little deep. It was a little jarring, quite frankly, this early for all of us in, in the morning. But it was, it was good to hash <laughs> out with how you can climb the ladder and you can climb the ladder now with a bankroll and a fan base. And that's music to Nebraska fans, yeah. right? Because of uh, the passion. Now you got a coach and you got an AD. You, you combine it, good things can happen. But, you know, I think Rule has his ways of continuing to, to eye talent, develop that talent, and then acquire the talent. But it's going to be a, a specific guy. Do you agree with that? It's going to be as he would put it, one of us. Well, I agree, because let me let me ask the three of you something real quick. If Nebraska wanted to go the way of buying a roster, do you think they could pull it off? Totally could, but it, but it better work the first time out. You better not screw it up, right? Where well, you can't come back to those investors and, and not deliver a playoff appearance. I, and I think, to me, the, the question is, could they buy a roster? Yes. Could they buy it to the level that Texas A&M did under Jimbo? No, probably not. There's there's levels to it. Yeah. Hmm. I, I they they could pull it off financially. I think there's enough money to do it. But I I just think the I think culturally it's a, uh, it's not. I don't think ethanol and beef money is the same as oil money. <laughs> Exactly. I, no, you're, you're, no. You're, you're fair. You're fair. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I, I just think it's a little, it's a little, I think this, this Southern U S is different than the Midwest. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know how you, how you go about doing. It's important. So I, I think that's the thing that kind of Schmitty you're alluding to and, and what you guys were talking about earlier. And this is where I, I think Matt rule, um, you know, who, who might be, Outside of Mike Riley, since T.O., the one head coach here that really likes being the head coach at Nebraska. I didn't think uh, – Frank liked being the head coach in Nebraska, but he didn't like everything that went with it. I think Riley likes everything that comes with being the head football coach at Nebraska, or Rule does. Um, Boy, and isn't I think that this goes, fun? This and I think that goes a adventure. long way. But, but here's something – you know, like there's so much pressure at Nebraska. What, what are we, four of the last five head coaches at Nebraska have had a losing year in year one? And some of those coaches then all of a sudden changed, like how they went about constructing a roster. You could honestly say that from the day that rules started in November of 22 to February 24th of 2024, his roster construction idea has been exactly the same. He knows that he is sitting on some cash, but he's very selective, more on retention and reward. And he's had a plan to build a roster and he hasn't deviated. And man, I think at a place like Nebraska, when you get knocked off the mark and all of a sudden you're five and seven and you go, boy, we got to win. You get a little, you get a little bit off of your, your values and your morals and what you want to do. And I think that's where Nebraska could be in a better spot right now for like this, like three, four year stretch is the roster construction mentality is exactly the same as it was when he stood up in the Hawks championship center. And that's not easy to do. I think at a place like Nebraska, when you, Go five and seven, or you realize, man, these people want to win so bad. 
Hmm. That's an interesting point, though, you bring up about first guy that actually enjoys being the co- outside of Riley, who just enjoys life and, and a yeah. nice bicycle ride downtown and, you, you and maybe have a good, a, you, know, uh, you have a good riley impression by the way you've been working on that you've been workshopping yeah. that I, I, well I, I isn't this fun you know hey let's go out but, there I, yeah but i also I, think another part of what you you said and uh, and, and and i don't mean to cut you off mark is there's there's the, i need to the, work the, on the impression the, the fear of failure has really driven rule there's really look at the guys that have been hired at nebraska frank was off of a, of a staff that had won national championships. Callahan just needed a friggin' job. And he was like, Who, what is this 402 number? Hello? Oh, okay, I'll be the coach. Then, yeah. you know, Bo had, had, Bo had left here, came back. He was on a nice little run. Then you had Mike Riley, who was also 402. Hello? Uh, and then you had Scott Frost, who had had all kinds of success coming in here. Rule really is one of the rare guys that had just really a bad taste in his mouth in his previous job. And I think that mm-hmm. drives him. And then you combine all that together, and that's why I think Nebraska's, you know, in a good spot before they get to playing where it matters the most, and that's games ahead of year number two. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I think Rule is also just quietly just shaking his head like, see, as Carolina continues to kind of flame out oh yeah he's he's being he's being it's post (laughs) post matt rule he's being validated for what a mess it was in carolina but you know most people are going to look at your record and go man you weren't a very good football coach then they're going to look at the first year at nebraska and go what happened in november you know and you Hmm. can't say well you know what i worked for a terrible owner in carolina and we just didn't get it done this year so Mm -hmm. I, i think he's more looking at you know what i i i have something to prove myself and to prove to other people um, that I am still that football coach that was in Waco, Texas, not too long ago. Well, Gary, I want to reset this question that I asked Brandon as we got him out with you. Did the first tool, two recruiting classes under Matt Rule, what he does with them over the next three to four years, does that determine what his ceiling is at Nebraska? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I know Brandon's response to it, and I really like that discussion. Uh, I think it's... I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be milly mouth on this because what did they do with Dylan Riola's recruitment? Like Dylan, Dylan Riola is not only benefiting the class of 24, but is he going to benefit the class of 25? Is he going to benefit the class of 26? So that's the kind of game changer. So I think it's, I think it's tough to, to make a determination. I will say this thing about Nebraska's recruiting. So I had this discussion with Bo when Bo was the head coach because if if you went into Bo's office or, or kind of their war room back then, they would have the entire roster up on a board. And, you know, they, 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 they didn't really have them separated by class. Like, here's the freshmen, here's the sophomores, here's the juniors. And Bo looked at roster construction as free agency in the NFL. We could just go year by year. I look now mm. at what rules staff is doing they are looking at it as a four or five year spread out. So this year we need offensive linemen. Let's get the best of the best. Then we'll be okay next year. We still need some offensive linemen, but we don't need to just keep stockpiling. And I thought that's where Scott got in trouble is they were so lopsided at position groups because they didn't look at it as the big picture. They looked at it from year to year. And I think rule looking at it as the big picture of 
four to five years instead of treating it like free agency on how to build a roster where your position groups get lopsided and you have way too many upperclassmen, not enough underclassmen. Um, I think that also bodes well. But I, just to back to your point, Elijah, I think I'm going to wait because I think they're going to get – if Dylan does what they think he's going to do in year one and then jumps in year two, I think he recruits and completes some classes and then maybe neutralizes what you've done in the first two because he opened the doors to go after players that you weren't able to get to early on. It, 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 real quick, you bring up the 2022 class. Just real quick observation, Chris, and then continue. You bring up the, the 2020. Three class, I'm sorry, um, rules first. 28 commits, and that includes transfers too. But just a quick cursory check, you had 15 hits in terms of contributors out of that 28. That's pretty good. Of course, it doesn't include like Judy, MJ Sherman, Billy Kemp, you know, some of the transfers that you did get something out of, but also a lot of the younger dudes too. So 15 out of your 28 year one, you're getting something out of that's promising sign, but continue, Chris, my bad. No, no, you're good. And just there's, there's a nice mixture and let me know what you guys think of this, of, of the urgency because no one's waiting for you to get better, but also the patience and, and rule yeah. kind of laid this out with the, the, the Reese Davis podcast about let's just set the culture in year one. And that's the most important, you know, cement pouring uh, the concrete right the foundation and then let's see where we're at and then all right year two let's let's make a jump with eyes on the future and um, the organizational pie side of this sharpie i think is what's so good the guys know what to look for with football talent and they know how to get that football talent better the way they practice he also pointed that out but this plan um, needs to come to fruition, but there's a lot of confidence in it. And I wanted to kind of get your take on his approach to Raiola, where he seems very matter of fact with, let's just see where the kid's at and not, not, um, not ruin him by putting all these expectations on him. (laughs) No, you know, you have to walk that fine line because I think he knows what a bonanza it could be if Dylan is everything that, you know, we hope he can be, but you also know that you have a kid who, you know, you, you don't want to overwhelm, but then here's the thing guys, like we've had a chance to watch Dylan for what a month, month plus. Um, He's ready for this moment. So I don't know that you have to shield him. I think you say, Hey, this kid's been around this all his life. He's ready for it, and we just let it rip. Um, I will tell you, the, the feedback from all of their winter conditioning has been very positive. He's somebody who's not afraid to interject his voice. Now, he's in, a, he's in a room with quarterbacks where there aren't a lot of guys in there, and there's not a lot of, like, veteran guys. But I've mm-hmm. heard that, you know, in terms of when he's, he, when he's around the wide receivers, man, he is organizing them. And he's saying, hey, this is what we need to do when, they're, when they do their throwing sessions. So, I don't know, you, you kinda, it's a balance of we got this quarterback that we've never had at Nebraska. He needs to be good for us. We want to help him along. But we're also like, you know, he's ready for this moment. He's embraced it. And we'll see when adversity hits, how he, you know, how he adjusts to the jump to college. But 
everything you've heard is he has fit in well and he's very likable uh, among his teammates. And, you know, it's a kid that they have to move at basketball games due to security reasons because you have so many people lining up to get his autograph that it's impeding <laughs> the, the view of the other people around him. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, and you and- just – and, you, and you, you do this, guys. You go, fingers crossed that a hype player at Nebraska at least lives up to it because mm-hmm. we've seen this before – and at some point during their career, they get derailed. Well, in I think he's coming in. It's a different situation than when the keys were handed over to Adrian, which was there was so much kind of missing and wrong. And it was just kind of like, you know, he had to shoulder a huge burden. When you, But yeah. when you think about it like this, guys, is and it sounds simpler than it really is. But aren't we kind of talking about like if Nebraska can – if Raiola can turn it over one less time and find one more touchdown pass per game, Nebraska's nine and three, <laughs> right? Like it's not, the, the margin isn't huge. You don't need this guy to bail you out of every situation. Like you need him to just hit maybe one of those deep balls that Nebraska missed last year. And you maybe also need him to not throw a pick in traffic which happened pretty routine or in the red zone, which happened so regularly last year, right? I mean, isn't it really just finding a couple, having a couple plays. Chris is just attacked by a German <laughs> shepherd on the screen, by the way. Uh, wow. Uh, Chris, that was great. I wish we could run a replay. You can't even hear us right now. His headphones are unplugged. Oh, that was the best. But hey, but like Raiola, Chris takes the hit. Chris takes the hit and he stands in there and he keeps broadcasting. It's just now, now we're good. Oh, his headphones yeah, are okay. all busted up too. Oh. oh, he look at how upset he is. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, but, but, oh, but honestly, wow. what, oh man. <laughs> so people that can't see this, Chris's headphones just the fell German apart. strikes again. <laughs> yes. That's my how this show's goodness. gone from the computer crashing before we start to now Schmitty being attacked by a German shepherd. What a Saturday morning show. <laughs> This is fantastic. <laughs> Attack of the Germans, name of the show. I don't know. That's uh, hilarious. That's but wrong. The, the war history we're talking, that works. I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know. Blitz so you guys from... were both talking about something amazing. Yeah. What What did I miss? Well, just talking about, you know, Adrian Living Martinez up to the had to kind of, had, had to bail out. You know, he was the representative of bailing out just a lot that was wrong with Nebraska football. Mm-hmm. Whereas it seems like now... Nebraska doesn't have these glaring, glaring, ridiculous issues. You know, they, they're, for the most part, pretty sound in, in most positions. And out of the quarterback room, you need, what, one less turnover and one more touchdown pass, yeah. and you're 9-3. and three. Well, here, sure. here's – and, you're, we, in the, and you're, we, in, you're in the mix, at least, we, for a win. We've, ta- we've talked about this before. This is where, kind of to, to answer this question, is – Look at how Nebraska's constructed their roster once they knew Dylan was in. Okay? We got to protect him up front. We also, we got to get a guy that he can turn and hand the ball off to when we want to run the football. And then let's get him some weapons on the outside. So let's take the onus off. He's got to win every game for us. And let's, before he gets his you know, feet set on the ground in college football, let's have options. So it's not always the quarterback that's got to make a play. 
let's work, let's recruit ourselves and develop ourselves into options that we can have a true one wide, number one wide receiver that when the ball is in first and goal in the red zone, everybody in the stadium knows the ball is going to that wide receiver and he goes and makes a play. Let's find that guy. Maybe they found it with Banks. Nayor looks like he's he's back to what we saw at Wyoming through the you know the six weeks of winter conditioning. And then let's get guys up front to block, and then let's get a running back that can run downhill. And then you know what? When we need 15, or I'm just saying that's you know the number they might wear. Mm-hmm. When we need that, he's there to make a play. I mean, that's the he's- way to do it. Instead of instead of going, hey Adrian, oh my God, you're coming in here. This is my first year. Um, just can you save us? It is the ideal. I think Mark or Elijah brought it up. It is the ideal situation for a young quarterback to come in to a program that is off of five and seven, that has pieces and a schedule that can help you in your first year. And you've got a brand new quarterback coach. It really all kind of lines up for Nebraska. Hmm. It's, it's perfect. And when we talk about delivering on the hype, I mean, the, the last guy that really did, and it took a coaching change, was Sue, right? I mean, Sue was that yeah. that 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 game changer on the interior, and and then Bo and Carl did their thing with him. Sharpie, I want to get your take here on Husker baseball uh, as you uh, had last weekend to digest. Uh, could have been two and one, could have been better, but you saw some signs. Will didn't panic. They've uh, gotten out to a 2 0 start against Grand Canyon, who still is a, a team above 500. But uh, you, you saw Christo probably look as good as he's looked uh, in, a, in a long time with the, the Thursday night game. Uh, Nebraska got their whooping sticks out uh, with an 11 2 win last night. They got to keep the, the, the foot down on the pedal today, but. No, do you, do you get a different vibe early from this baseball team? A confidence, a talent level, the, the Childress effect? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm asking what your observations I, are so far so good. I think, and Mark will agree with me, if you look at their starting pitching over the first five games, that's mm-hmm. Rob Childress. you got to mm-hmm. throw strikes. I mean, look at Clark on Sunday against Oklahoma. He didn't throw strikes. He wasn't there very long. These guys are throwing strikes. They're working quickly. They're attacking the zone. And I think the starting pitching has been pretty good in four of the five games. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I I said the other day, I like, guys, is it too soon to say this is kind of an important series for Nebraska? You know, they went one and two. They went one and two. And I thought there were more positives than there were negatives. Mm -hmm. And you also played some good competition. So it's easier to judge where you're at. And then Will made a comment earlier this week that he thinks this could be a great team. And you went, well, this might be kind of early because this is a team that Augie Garrido is going to fall in love with. You know, a small ball team that steals bases, put down bunts. They don't hit 97 home runs as a team like they did last year. But gosh, the first two games, you can't overlook. That's an impressive start out there. You're right, Schmitty. Grand Canyon was 4-0. They're an NCAA team. And Nebraska's gone out there. And because of their starting pitching, give them a, sh- a shot. The bats have woken up. Uh, Karen yesterday, a couple of home runs. I don't know. I, I, it's kind of... There's so many unknowns about this team, but I think we're starting to figure it out through five games that this team's going to be uh, – there might be something special there, and it starts on the bump. Yeah, and what they're getting out of that starting pitching I, – I don't have all the box scores in front of me, but just from recollection, I think you're getting – I think you've gotten at least five and a third out of all your starts. And then Except out of those Clark. starts, you're 
Except for Clark, yeah. where did he go? Like four or something? Clark went no, uh, two he... and two and change. Yep. But, and did he get shelled? Or is he or is it just they, sort of they, like they, they he tried... get shelled? He just he couldn't he, he was all over the place. They tried to pull him before the shelling. Okay. The shelling was three walks. Shit, but... yeah. yeah. Now it's early, but you've gotten two quality starts out of Sears. Um you know, two really good starts out of him. Um, and he works fast. He's a pace guy. Um, good tone setter. Players like to play around pitchers like that. Um, and then Karen, you know, he, he – I don't know if he was – he was kind of nursing a little bit of an injury some last year, I believe, because talent-wise and the way he swings it, 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 it you you expect him to have two home run games. Like, if you see him up close yeah. – Dude, he's built. He's built like a linebacker, and he can. I mean, he generates some bat speed. Um, it it's it's a pretty solid team right now, Gary. Is it kind of like most baseball teams where, okay, that's great. You can get your good starting pitching. You can manufacture some runs, but you got to figure out your your setup and your closer guys. And it might take a little bit for Nebraska to land land that right or. And, and is that really the difference that Nebraska has to figure out? Because when they've gotten in trouble so far this year, it has almost exclusively been six inning and past bullpen. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, uh, I, it's still pretty early um, to figure things out. And, but, 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 I, but, you know, I don't know. It just, they have a different vibe. It's, uh, you know, you look at a couple of games that they lost in Arlington. I mean, they were right there and they kind of had the same, you know, the same finish against Texas Tech and also Oklahoma. I don't know. It's it's refreshing um, that we don't have to talk about pitching. Like, we don't have to talk about guys walking and, you know, guys not throwing strikes and all of a sudden you got runners all over the place. Um, I don't know. But, but here's the thing is you want to win a series. So you win today or you win on Sunday, you win the series. Two and two, and two eh, then you're like, eh, you lost the last two games of the series. See how that how baseball is. Um, mm-hmm. So if they can win the series and, and, and get another good performance out of Walsh today and then maybe get Clark some confidence tomorrow, boy, two weeks, I think you have to say, man, I, I think Nebraska baseball is ahead of schedule this year. Well, Gary, you talk with, about- a lot of un- with a lot of unknowns still out there. You talk about the vibe. The vibe that I get on this team early is it's a team that really exemplifies its coaching staff. And when you look at the coaching staff, a lot of years ex- of experience, a lot of good baseball knowledge. You have a pitching staff, as you kind of laid out, that throws strikes, gets it across the plate, trusts the defense, and competes. That's Rob Childress for you. And then offensively, it's more akin to what Will Bolt has done in his baseball career, where it's guys getting on first anyway, any shape or form, just getting there. You're advancing to second, whether it be on a pass ball, on a stolen base, whatever you're doing, you're advancing into scoring position. Uh, they're, they're playing small ball. They're bunting guys over, and then you get timely power. That's like what Will Bolt has made his career on as a baseball coach has been that style of offense. I think the offense represents him. I think the pitching represents Rob Childress. And I think when you combine those two things, the two dudes that have been in and around the game of baseball for a long time, had a lot of successful baseball teams. I think that only means good things for this Husker baseball squad. If they can exemplify their coaching staff. Don't you think it's also promising guys? They have a lot of new faces that are playing together for the first time. Isn't it like 24 of the 40 some or I think it was 29, 29 of the 40 had never appeared in a Nebraska baseball game before. That so if you're going to do reset. that, if you're going to turn your roster over, you got to hope that it, it pays off quickly. And I don't know. I, I think they're, they're, they're fun to watch. It's not, it's not taxing. And I know it's just two weeks <laughs> into the season and we're, you know, we're a ways away. But, man, there have been some early 
season will bolt weekends where it's taxing to watch them play. And you're like, wow, this is the same old, same old. Well, I think it's a little different this year. And that's, and that's, we talk a lot about Childers. We probably need to give credit to Will of having the, the, you know, the, the confidence to let Rob run the pitching, bring Mike Sirianni in. They get a lot of attention. I'm still the head coach of the program and look at they're you know, they're five games in they're three and two, and you could make a case that they could have four wins, maybe even Mm -hmm. five. Well, Will's comfortable enough with bringing in some really good baseball minds and, and not being threatened by that. And it just, it takes someone like Will to, to make the tweaks and adjustments. And he made some hard decisions, Gary, to, yeah. to kind of not only with the roster and, and the new faces, but also the, uh, the staff decisions. So you got hoops tonight. Are you uh, making it back in time for uh, Nebraska, Minnesota, the, elim- the elimination game? Yes. Yes. Uh, I know they're, uh, they're not a sponsor, but uh, there's a uh, nice little drinking hole across the street from PBA, 4 o'clock tomorrow. Anybody wants to get together? I will see you there. All right. Four o'clock tomorrow. You Deal. know where we're going to be. That'll work. That old, right that old, that old 76ers. <clears throat> uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Love those guys. Absolutely. We do a lot of NCAA tournament uh, watch parties there. Unfortunately, hey, gonna not be, for Nebraska. it's going to be a game played at uh, the 25th of February tomorrow. Look at how many people will be wearing shorts. Yeah, there'll be people wearing shorts in the rail yard and in PBA tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not sure you can make it down for a beer. I might be out on the the soccer fields playing some pickup soccer if all things go to plan this weekend. So, oh, don't Gee, give me that, Gary. Soccer during foot during during uh, Nebraska Minnesota basketball, you can't be doing pre-game, that. Pre game, we'll be done by tip off. Pickup hey, soccer. I, I I probably shouldn't roll my eyes. I'm I'm sitting in a city where Sporting KC kicks off tonight in Houston. And the women's professional soccer team, the Kansas City Current, have this incredibly beautiful stadium uh, right down by the uh, downtown, right down mm. by the water. Hey, before the World mm. Cup comes to the United States, get into soccer now. Well, yeah. I, 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 am, I am going to come back to the city in 26. I think if the World Cup is that close to Nebraska, you have to make yeah. an effort to go see it. Yep. Regardless yeah. if the U.S. is playing or not, I don't care. Just to say I went to a World Cup game. All right. I'm signed. I'm signed up on like the ticket thing where you know you're going to get access to tickets, lottery system. I'm assuming. I just hope it's like Argentina and Italy and Spain and like you know some legit teams. I don't, don't give me like. Well, come on! Don't give me like New Zealand and. If well, I, if yeah, I, I, if I, I, I remember correctly, this is the World Cup with the expanded field, so you're going to have some more teams that you might not know a single person on the field. But like, yeah. I, I want to see England. I want to see France. Italy, I could care less about. Sorry, Italy. Uh, would love to see, as you said, Argentina. F. Messi makes it for another World Cup. Br- Brazil, Colombia. Like, bring me some teams that got some stuff to them. You oh, know? I don't Germany. care. Give me are, you, are you just rattling off countries that you visited? No, no. I just want to see, you know, teams that have, you know, have, have had superstars in their heyday. Okay, here's what Or here's still one. have them. Here's one. Go check out South Korea. Fun fan base, fun team. It could be fun. They, they just played really well in the Asian Cup, and we'll see what they look like in two years. South Korea could be a fun team to watch in the World Cup if you get a chance. Okay. Okay. Is, is the U.S. going to have their stuff together? I just feel like it's, you oh, know, oh, we're, people get the, – the, the USMNT gets, you know, handily criticized. The problem with the criticized. U.S. men's national team is they fired their coach and then couldn't find anybody better, so they brought him back uh, with, with Burhalter. I that's a, a weird situation. I don't know if he'll still be the coach for the World Cup. But oh, they brought are. him back. Yeah, 
It, it was very <laughs> strange. Um, they, put a, they, they put an interim head coach in place, and then they just brought him back, which was one of those things that made me go, oh, God. <laughs> It's the U.S. So they're a mess. team. But hey, how but, about that? How about that John Walker extension? Talent, talent yeah, wise, that works. Talent wise, the U.S. Men's National Team—it's a golden era. This is the the best conglomeration of talent the U.S. Men's National Team has maybe ever had. They just got to put it all together. Who are the okay? Who are the two guys we got to know? Christian Pulisic. Who are the two guys? Gio Reyna. Okay. Claudia Reyna's son. Yeah, and there was some, and there was a whole there was a whole yeah. controversy with that whole thing. Right, and that's one reason why the coach got fired. Right, is because of, like favoritism and something. he was really soccer like. It was like a really so- it was like basically perfect- Claudio Reyna came in and was trying to trying to to go. I was oh, I can't say that I I can but I won't. He was he was trying to go power play to get his son more playing time, and the coach was like no, so he just benched him for the entire World Cup back in twenty two, and it, it was not good for the team. It was like perfect soccer pretentiousness, like playing out. You know, it just it, who, what just team like, flops what are we the best? Talking about? What are we talking about? Shut up! No, I'm serious. It's Mexico. Like, I mean, it's absolutely Mexico. All right, I can't wait <laughs> to watch <laughs> Tomanaga tomorrow. How about Brennan? How about Brennan? How about Brennan in the stream right now? <laughs> well, that's it. That's the end of the show. As soon as he goes soccer, as soon I as he goes it. soccer, hey, I will bail out. Team? Dude, Chris is a this is my guy. No, Chris is bailing out. We will talk to you guys next time. Thank you. Uh, with the weekend edition of Hail Varsity. Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Play. Sharpie, we love you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Brandon Vogel. Uh, thanks to Elijah for getting the, uh, the computer up and running, even though people, a couple of minutes late. The people have spoken. Yeah, they hate soccer uh, talk. That's okay. I, I understand it's not, not for everybody, but... Hey, if you can't get behind the U.S. men's national team, that's on you. Uh It is. We're not going (laughs) to spend any more time. I love the U.S. Oh, you want to talk about? Okay. I'm going to head out. You guys can keep on doing your thing if you want. We don't want to talk about the the complexities of the 4-3-3 and compare it to playing three at the back. Like, Don't care. That's the question with the U.S. national team. (laughs) No, I'm done. Yeah. Both of you can enjoy your soccer time. Cranach, let me know if you're coming down from Minnesota. Okay, I will. I football camp. I don't know if I can make it. Not for me. I'm not playing. Um, yeah, I've, don't worry about Elijah, that. If you want to put off some pickup soccer and come on down, it's well, all good. But uh, all good. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hail Varsity YouTube. What was that, Mark? Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity Radio. Twitter at H Varsity Radio. Give that a follow. And uh, good stuff today with uh, Hale Varsity. Back at you Monday at 4. Thanks for tuning in. I mean, pick up soccer? <laughs>